Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. We need you today more than ever. God, help us to live in a place of constant God neediness. Help us to be those who are unbelievably aware of what our life would be like without you. And God, anywhere in our life where we don't think we need you, Break us and show us we need you. And God, put us back together and help us to walk like Jacob to remember the moment where we wrestled with God. If we got to walk with a limp for the rest of our lives, let's have a reminder in our souls, God, that we need you, God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody great? That's it? Amen. Amen. You can remain standing. You can remain Y'all glad to be here today? Y'all don't sound like it. Y'all glad to be here today? Amen. 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 Welcome one more time to our first time visitors. Also, to those who are in the basement, um, I'm sorry we didn't have any more seats left up here. I'm getting some buzzing, gents. Um, I'm, uh, we are glad. We're sorry that 50 of you all had to go to the basement. Um, much love to you. Please stay Um, We love you, and um, yeah, blessings to you. Um, So I'm so excited about what God has done. I think we said it at the other gatherings and talked about it at the other um, ones last week that, um, you know, we've been raising resources to be able to get um, a facility and put a down payment on it, and we're still working out all of the kinks, but we want to have everything in place financially. And... um, Last Sunday, um, we were at 120,000. We needed 200,000. Then by um, nine o'clock, we had 195,000. Then by 11 o'clock, I think we had 5,000 more, which brought us to 200,000. Amen. Then, ain't finished. Then by the evening, we had 35 more thousand. So we're now at $235,000. So God is amazing. And I want to let you know how thankful I am as your pastor and how proud I am of all of your generosity uh, to go towards these projects. And you'll see some of the, we're gonna paint some pictures for you today. Um, but but, but I, I want you to know a couple of things before we begin. You're a unicorn, okay? My millennials and Gen Zs, they know what I'm talking about. Mostly older saints usually um, are able to come together and bring those things. So to see different generations together being able to, because it's multi-generational now, multi-ethnic, so see all of that come together and 
for you to invest in that way and trust God for this project just means a ton to the kingdom of Christ. And so why don't you give God a hand praise for your investment? Yeah. Well, I'm excited because everything we're doing right now, I'm just letting you know, it's totally by faith. Um, the whole thing is by faith. And it seems like the Lord is just meeting us every step of the way. But you know, God does like this on the throne when faith is in the atmosphere. You ever went down, you ever went past, you ever went down somewhere and you was hungry and you, you could smell like, I smell barbecue. You know, God, that's how God is on the throne from Epiphany Fellowship. He said, I smell faith. That's what it is. And, and the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. But the one who comes to him must know that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And not only that, it says the eyes of the Lord look to and fro to give strong support to the one whose heart is totally his. And so I believe the Lord is giving us some strong support because the gospel uh, gives us the grace to have support from God. Amen? Amen. Well, it's Vision Sunday. Somebody say Vision Sunday. You know, this Sunday is not as highly expositional as it is. It's biblical, but not as expositional. It's more topical on this Sunday, kind of to give us a, a bird's eye view of where we've been and where we're going from a very, very 30,000-foot standpoint as a church. So the verse up there, I want you to turn over with me to uh, Proverbs 29:18. Proverbs 29:18. Uh, let's go ahead and turn there. Let's go ahead and turn there. On three. One, two, three, read. Amen. Welcome to Vision Sunday. Father, we, uh, we get to know what the goals are, but don't always know how they're going to flesh out. You show us enough and you tell us enough for us to know what we're dreaming about. But you leave enough out so we can walk by faith. And God, um, you love to give surprise parties to your people. And so God, will you continue to surprise us with what you wanna do in this world and in this city and in our souls. And so God, in order for this to work and for this to connect to us as a community is we need your presence. So pour fresh oil today, Lord, and let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength and our Redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, One of the beautiful things about um, the church is we don't have to necessarily come up with what God's goals are. God already pretty much knows what our goals are. Um, I was, uh, a few weeks ago, I was doing some sermon prep, and, and some of my, my epiphanites came into uh, La Colombe, and they slid on through. And, you know, I love to see y'all out in these streets and enjoying one another. It's like, we are with our small group pass, and I was like, oh, man, it's, I just love seeing y'all together. And we're having our DNA time. It was dope. And, um, and, and, and one of them came and asked me about purpose. And it was, it's great because that's one of the number one questions a pastor will get is, what's my purpose? And one of the explanations I always give someone, because I think it's an amazing question, is you already have your purpose. The issue is you don't know what the particular details are going to function like in your life. 
And so, and so, so God has already written in Scripture what your purpose is. One of your purposes as a believer is to proclaim the gospel, listen, to the, not, not just to humans, but to demons. Why would you do that? It would say in Ephesians 3.10, because you are supposed to live in such a way and function in such a way that everything you do shouts redemption, that they didn't get what they should have gotten out of you, but something happened because God made a supernatural shift in your life, and you're like, aha, look, God has changed something in my life. You were trying to do this to me, enemy, but I thank you right now. And this, like back in the day, I would have wowed out, but because the gospel has changed me, because the gospel has disturbed my life, because God has refreshed and renewed. Do I have anybody in here that you happy to just be changed and you're happy that God did something different? You're happy. Every time that happens in your life, guess what, guess what happens? You're preaching to the enemy. You don't have to say anything to him. All you got to do is live that thing out. Church is called to make disciples. No question. I mean, make Jesus Christ lookalikes. That's what we're called to do. We're called to challenge each other. The church, if, 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 you, if you're going to the gathering, you want to hide, that's not biblical. So one of your purposes is to love and challenge each other to grow up in all respects. Now, the question practically, though, is in every area of your life, how do you begin to flesh those things out in your finances? How do you flesh it out in your relationships with friendships and your work and every single area of your life? That's what we're talking about. So here is an interesting word. Um, the writer, the sage, says, without... Revelation, somebody say revelation. revelation. People run wild. In other words, without a word from God, you will lose your mind. Now, the word revelation here is translated in other places as vision. Somebody say vision. Now, I like that the, uh, that the CSB, is, is both of them, it doesn't matter which one you translate because you got to do your homework to understand what the word means anyway. But, the, but when they translate it vision, it doesn't pull out the reality of the depth of the word because most of the time when we think vision, we think something we come up with. But biblically here, this is not talking about your personal dreams. What it's actually talking about is what's already written in the scriptures and aligning your dreams with what's in the Bible. I'm by, I, anyway, I'm by myself. If I was at a Bible church, see, they shout on stuff like that. Pentecost, you know, but the Bible church, you know, Presbyterians, they would have even shouted on that. Because, because, because the word governs everything. The word governs how you dream. The word governs how you think. The, the word governs, that's, that's why Jesus said, people say, well, he said if it's in his will, they would do it. I mean, not, not in his will. They said, well, if I ask, he'll do it. No, he said, if it's in his will. Yeah. See, everybody said, well, I asked for it and God didn't do it. Well, it wasn't in his will. Yeah. Or it wasn't time. Yeah. And so, um, as we look at Vision Sunday, I'm not, we're not, as a church, we we, we're not coming up with stuff that's divorced from the heart of God. What our goal is and what our desire is, is to frame the work of what we're doing that would be something that God would thumb up in heaven, right? And so when we look at this reality and we work through all of those different things, we see that we're not the first church in this city or first church to ever have 
um, what we would say is sort of an aggressive vision. Um, this, this is the quadruple OG of the kingdom himself, uh, the Reverend Dr. Francis Grimke. He was a former slave. He went to, a, he, he, was, he, was, he was a graduate of Lincoln University, which was started by the church, receipts. Anyway, um, <laughs> gr uh, 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 graduated from Lincoln University and Princeton Seminary. He was the pastor of 15th Street Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C., and he uh, who's the founder of, and he pastored the church for 50 years. That's a long time. Long time. And, um, but he was a key leader in the Niagara movement. Now, what in the world would a pastor be doing? Why, why am I talking about this? It's because the church and church leadership in contexts like this were always thinking about how the gospel applies to more than just a church gathering. And so we're part of a legacy of this. The Niagara Movement, of course, if you don't know, was the precursor to the NAACP. And so they were thinking, they were, the NAACP is an outworking of the gospel in its original form. Because it was started by, by Trotter and W.E.B. Du Bois, who were birthed Christians. And W.E.B. Du Bois was, guess what, discipled by Reverend Dr. Alexander Crummel. So when we look at the civil rights movement in its infant stage back then, in the 20s and the teens, we see some beautiful things. We see that there was always a thought about the whole person, not just the soul. So it was thinking about the soul, but then the whole of the person. And then he was an activist and a scholar. And he also started the American Negro Academy. So since you ain't say amen on that, I got another quadruple OG for you. The Reverend Dr. Matthew Andrew, he planted a church two blocks from here. It's called Berean Presbyterian Church on the corner of Broad and Diamond. Guess what? He's a graduate as well of Lincoln University at Princeton Seminary. He's the founding pastor of Berean Presbyterian. He organized a, a Berean Savings Bank. Why would that happen? Because he started pastoring in the community, and he started pastoring people, and people started coming, and, and, and people couldn't buy homes. They were going to banks and trying to figure out how to buy homes. So guess what? Because the gospel works on the soul and also the life, he believed that the kingdom would come to the community even in the midst of racist challenges in North Philadelphia with the banks. He said, instead of begging them and, 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 and pressing on them, we'll create our own bank. So that, so, so, so that now the communities, but for those who don't know, these is mad receipts for the church. You understand what I'm saying? So next time somebody pop the bump their gums about what the church has done and not done, blad out, here we go. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't even even talk about Abyssinian Church in New York where they started the same type of a credit union in order to create those things. But that's another thing. And he's the founder of the Berean Institute. Well, since that didn't get you, this is the lion from Zion himself. Uh, he, edu he was educated at West Virginia State University and Columbia University, pastor of Zion Baptist Church on Broad Street, not too far from here, less than a mile, if you will, uh, uh, right below Erie. He served on the board of General Motors. Why did he do that? Why in, the pastor, why in the world would a pastor expand his platform to serve on the board of General Motors? In order to help African Americans to be able to get jobs, he wanted to influence it from the place he touched the community, but also he touched the top. But then also, he's also the founder of the Philadelphia Opportunities Industrial Center, which is OIC, which uh, uh, with some of our members, I won't point them out, got jobs through developing, getting developed through here, right in this community here as well. But not only that, this is, this is, this is, this is eternally gangster right here. 
So he introduced the Sullivan Principles, a set of guidelines for American companies with investments in South Africa, and called for other large corporations to voluntarily withdraw their assets while apartheid was still in effect. In essence, he helped pull down apartheid and he passed it in this community. So the church, the church has always been forward thinking. The, the church of Philadelphia is legendary. They're like, I can name churches. I, can, I haven't even talked about Reverend Dr. Willie Richardson down the street in West Philadelphia, who's helped thousands of families stay together. Thousands of singles. I remember he did the Singles and Honeymoons Conference. Me and my wife went, and we got affirmed in our singleness. I, that was in the 90s. Um, written books that have helped and, and, and helped uh, train so many churches who couldn't afford a full-time counselor, helping develop people. He was talking about mental health when the church wasn't talking about it. So we applaud him and his work. And so, so, so we have a legacy. We have a legacy in the church of those who are in the church to engage those things. So, but, 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 but what are some of the general questions we're talking about? What are your greatest transgenerational challenges? We're going to talk about that. What is the ratio of those above 50 years of age to those who are 35 years of age and under in the church? These are tough questions people are asking. These are some things we pulled off the block. What is the church actually doing in the community these days? Is the church for me? When I look at the church and I read my Bible, why does there seem to be such a huge gap? Why are there so many churches in the community but not enough noticeable impact? Now, there are 400 churches in North Philly alone. 400. The average size of a church in North Philadelphia is between 25 and 50 people. So you don't realize, and we're not, we're not bad-mouthing anybody or anything. I big ups anybody that comes in our community and engage it. Um, but, but, but there are some challenges that we need to face and that we need to deal with. And us as a church, we need to step up to the plate and engage ferociously as an implication of the gospel. And so as we look at the, y'all still tracking with me, right? I'm just making sure y'all real quiet. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So reaching... Millennials and Gen Z. Hold your hand up if you're a millennial. <laughs> if, if you Gen Z, raise your hand. Gen Z. I see my son. <laughs> We're going to break that down in a second, all right? So in starting this church and in looking at what we're doing, some of you have seen this before. You're going to see it again. Amen, this part. We've got to keep reminding. Somebody say, remind me. Um, you know, there was the civil rights generation. That's what they're icons, you know. I heard the old Caesar say this. I'm like, yes. The older generation, right? That's what's up. That's y'all icons. Then there came the black bourgeoisie generation. You know, that's y'all icons, right? Beside them is the black power generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then beside them was the hippie generation. They don't remember nothing. They don't remember nothing. They don't remember nothing. <laughs> but but then, then came another generation. This is my generation. Who did, where my hip-hop generation people at? Original hip-hop generation. That was kind of our... That, that, this was our steez. I know I put everybody up there, but that's the original hip-hop generation. Then 
After them, they had kids. You got the millennial generation. That's y'all icons. That's y'all icons. Bless the Lord for every generation. Don't be talking about no pause. I hear you, Avery. Quit it. Look, <laughs> that's your generation, Avery. And, uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Then you got the Gen Z. I don't know what be happening. I'll be like, what's happening? Teach me. I mean, I thought we couldn't understand James Brown and Michael Jackson. You know they ain't know the words in the Michael Jackson songs. None of them. That's where they got it from. Then all of a sudden the, the bridge come and then you know what to say, right? I do like Buddha. I like that jump. Now that jump fire. That jump fire. But she had to borrow from my generation to get that hit. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, y'all ain't like that, did y'all? I don't care. This is another generation, multi ethnic generation. Uh-oh, this is the ethnic generation. All right, ladies, be careful. <laughs> now, how do we break this up? Let's break this down. So, civil rights generation, they valued retirement and pension. Like, they weren't dreaming about nothing but just to get a job. Like, you know what I'm saying? If I get a job, stay on it, that's, that's what I'm gonna do. Pension, then I'm gonna retire, then I'll enjoy myself. Life is going to suck until I retire. Y'all better quit playing. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Then the black power generation, equality and separation and ethnic identity. You know, then you had the hippie generation. They wanted free from establishment and, and, and one with creation. But the black power generation and the hippie generation realized they weren't making no money and they joined the bourgeoisie generation. <laughs> <laughs> then came the hip-hop generation where we were like pluralism. That's when Christianity was hated. You was in college in the early 90s, you were, you were crazy to be a Christian, right? You were a unicorn on the campus. Then you got realness and rawness, it was the value. But then here come the millennials. And the millennials, like entrepreneurialism, everybody got a business. Everybody got a business. I'm a consultant, ain't work nowhere, but you telling them what to do. I love you. And keep on grinding, y'all. Keep on grinding, too. Keep on grinding. I love, I love my millennials. Amen, amen. We're not gonna, this is not beat up the millennial day, but that is true. Um, Quasi-individualism. Quasi-individualism, but then also dreams and vocation merge. That's why, that's why civil rights generation people and, and, and millennials clash heads. Because in the mind of the civil rights generation, they're like, get a job. You got a good job? Don't quit the good job. A millennial will be like, but it's not in my heart. <laughs> I don't feel that in my heart. I don't live for money. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so, and so, and so they're like, I'm following my dreams. Instagram page up, t-shirt company, link in the bio. That's, that's, that's. Millennial generation, right? 
Then you got the, the you know, you got the uh, multi-ethnic generation. They love breaking cultural limitations. Dope folk. Inclusivity. Ethnic generation. Opportunity yet connected to their country. Indigeneity is what I mean. And then Gen Z, they're searching for truth. So now it's gone from pluralism to now Gen Z is wanting more like, like you know, clear truth, you know, uh, uh, um, and, and then they avoid labels. And like, they'll say stuff like, I'm not black. I'll be like, see how long that lasts, living in this world, okay. I'm, I'm not black, I'm OJ, okay. Some of y'all missed that. <laughs> Some of y'all missed that. My, 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 my Anglo siblings, they break the generations down like this. And so, um, and, and, you know, I would be a Gen Z, and those are kind of how these break down, right? Right? Everybody pointed, I'm in that one, I'm in that one. Yeah. So guess what? So now, a church has to incarnate in the midst of all of those different people groups. Now, what is the church going to do to engage all of those different types of people, all of those different ethnicities, all those different types of generations? And guess what? All of those people are in this community. And we're in a community where 95% of them don't know Jesus. And so we shouldn't have to sheep steal to grow the church. We should be able to go, and we'll talk about that in a second, and engage this community in a fresh and beautiful way. Where do we get epiphany from? I got to remind y'all of that. It says in verse 11, it says, for the grace of God appeared. Somebody say appeared. Verse 13 says, looking for the blessed hope and appearing. Somebody say appearing. appearing. The word appeared and appearing there is the Greek word epiphane, which means to show forth, to appear, to become visible, and to clearly show. So that's what we want to do. We want to do what? What's our motto? One, two, three. Look at y'all. I'm so proud of y'all. So proud of y'all. That's right. We want to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. Oops, did I skip something? No, I didn't. So our story, y'all know it. Macedonian call. Heard the call, spied out the land. My wife said, if you don't, you don't go, uh, uh, you know, you, we should go, because don't be disobedient, and laughed at me in the car and said, I'm willing to go, so don't use me as an excuse. <laughs> and I said, here I am, Lord, send us. And there it went. Shout out to my wife. Um, so who do we want to reach? We want to reach ages 18 to 45. Now, does that mean, and that's who we have been reaching, uh, really 18 to 35, I need to change that, um, who we've actually been reaching. But we want, to, we want to hit people above and below, but they're not the hardest people to reach. Because people below 18, you bring them to church. People above 45, a lot of them cool, but 18 to 45, they ain't feeling the faith. And they're the hardest people group to reach and the largest group of people in Philadelphia. Uh, different ethnicities in this group, so we're not excluding in anyone, although missiologically we're in a community with long-term residents who are indigenously African-American. So to be a multi-ethnic church like we said before and to ignore the systemic issues of the black and brown people in this co- particular community would be a, 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 would be a mess for us as a church. So, so, so to be here is to turn our ship towards that. And we'll talk about how we've done things globally as well, but we have to turn the ship this way. Multi-economic classes, we don't care what type of bread you make or don't make, we want you here. We want you here. 
all types of people. Come as you are, but don't expect to stay the same. Those who relocate during Philly, we're not hurting on urban renewal, but, but, but we want to tell you, come in here and help us renew this community in Jesus' name. All right, what are our core convictions? One, two, three. There it is. And so, and so those are our core convictions. That's how we make decisions. So what's our focus? We'll spend the rest of our time here. This year, we're going to deal with manhood engagement. Somebody say manhood engagement. Manhood. Now, let me explain that. Don't have a problem with it. It's important. How many of you believe that's important? Yeah. Amen. We want missiological growth in the city. I'm introducing point three, but I'm going to talk about point three over time, right? I'm going to talk about it over time. So mobilizing congregation, mobilizing congregation in the city, uh, uh, in the church and the city. We're, we're, we're going to be talking about that over the, over the weeks as we get into our new series. Next is ministry city investment. So here we go. So first one, manhood development. One of the things that We've loved, our church was first multi-ethnic, it was multi-ethnic people were just coming through, nobody was joining. We had maybe 30 core people, maybe 50 at the most, and, and, but everybody else, we had 200 other people that we would never see again, so they would come every week. <laughs> All the people that was been here for a while, they know we like, we need a church, right? And, uh, and then what happened is people started joining, we started getting solidified, church started growing, went to a couple of services. We began later on in our, our church to, to, to talk about our racial injustice issues, and the majority of our white siblings left. Um, and then in the midst of that, we had a group of our white siblings who were saying, we don't, that, that, what they did was whack. We're remaining here, and we're on mission with this church because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and then... The church grew exponentially. We ended up having to go to three services, but it was, it was, it was probably 80% women joining. And so we went from our student populace, which used to be 50% of the church, being undergrad students, to 50% now being black women, well, more than, more than 50%, black women who had a master's degree and PhD, smart than a mug. Just a whole different level of a person. Just <laughs> smart. And so the congregation, I know y'all in here. I know y'all in here. I know y'all in here. And so the shift took place. The challenge was, is the dudes weren't growing numerically as fast as the women. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to call a state of emergency. We wanted to call a state of emergency. Now, what we're not doing is doing evangelism to bring husbands to the church. All right. We want to develop godly men who become ferocious engineers in the kingdom so that nobody can't just walk in, walk in here like, what want no dude coming up in here trying to, trying to pick off females like they cattle? We need some ferocious men stood up in the cut, swollified. You understand what I'm saying? You know, with, with some... We're like, no, nah, you're not going to roll up here like that. Unless, then, then there's some crazy ideologies running here. We want them to be biblically informed. And then we want all of them to have businesses and jobs. Not one. All of them to have a ride. 
You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Their own crib. Oh, y'all, I ain't... I want the fellas to shout. The fellas like, you can do it, fellas. Some of y'all already got that. Come on, fellas. Come on, fellas. Yeah, man. So we're going we're gonna to do some theological development with a particular group of men. 25, we're going to pull aside for life development and different things. And, uh, and we need some soldiers. We need some soldiers. I want this church to get back to being 50-50. 50-50. Amen. But then missiological growth in the city. Um, one of the things we want you to do is Paul talks about fearing sharing the gospel and praying for him that he would be bold. Um, in this generation, we want to be friends with people too much. And so what's happened is we like friendship, not confrontation. Because we like being liked more than we like being like Jesus. And so what happens is, is you develop relationships for a long time where you don't want to mess up the relationship because you know culturally people think Christianity is a judgmental religion. So instead of loving them enough, because see, if you don't share the gospel with them, you don't love them. You don't love them. So that doesn't mean beat them up with the gospel. Or do pre-conversion discipleship where you say you got to change before you trust Jesus. But lovingly walking alongside of people and investing. Now, some of y'all are doing that again because a lot of our baptisms, this is how you know how a church is doing with conversions. Most of our baptisms, very few of them in the last few years have been conversion baptism. There's just been people that have been in the church that's been in the church, oh, I didn't get baptized. Baptism actually is supposed to be a sign of their identification with Christ, but also the fact that conversions are taking place. And so now I want to see thousands of people baptized. Matter of fact, I want to put the metal tub on the block and in front of everybody and just declare in Jesus' name in front of everybody. And so I want, I, we're, going to, we're going to be working hard on not just us doing outreach to share the gospel, but as a lifestyle, as a human being, you're going around sharing the gospel as a part of your natural lifestyle. And also bringing people to experience the gathering. You know, a lot of people, when they say you go to church, they have a particular mindset. And not that we're better than anybody, but we're a different situation. You know, and so when people come in, they're like, this church? Like, this is like a community meeting, you know? Um, like church. And, you know, but, but, but the issue is, is that's the type of environment we wanted to create. We didn't want to create a false, sacred environment. And it's nothing wrong with traditional church, so I'm not dogging that. But for us contextually, I hated hearing people saying, I got to go get a suit, then I'll come to church. That always bothered me in my soul that we've created that type of culture. Um, but then mobilizing the congregation in the, in the church in the city, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. And finally, and this is it, and I'm done with this, done with it. Ministry investment in the city, we have three levels. We have three levels of city investment that we do. We do blitzes. Somebody say blitzes. blitzes. Connecting, Connecting. And city investment. So when we look at these three levels of giving and investing in the city, blitzes is when you let people know you're on the scene. Like people aren't following, our neighbors aren't following Epiphany on Instagram. Like so you got to recognize that that's not the way we let people know we're here. 
the other more incarnational ways. Like you go to Center City, yeah, they follow churches on Instagram, right? But not, not in this neighborhood. Um, and, 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 and because there's a lot of shifting and, and different things like that, we have to do blitzes. So we may have to do a mailer and different things like that and continuing to be out there blitzing. Connecting events, we've done that. We've done that. We've done uh, our, our Diamond Festival, which is kind of a blitz and a connection event at the same time. Now, we're to, but, but, but we also have done global ministry. So we've done global ministry, we've done ministry, we've helped build a compound, we helped build dorms, and we helped build a school in Malawi, Africa. We've done that, and we're excited about that, and we still invest um, a quite a bit of re- thousands of re- dollars and resources in the work over there in Malawi, Africa, and letting the Malawians and those who are in PTIA um, 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 minister to their own people. We planted from, uh, from, from, from South Central LA to Africa, 44 churches. And so we're thankful, planted and invested in 44 churches. So we're excited about that. We're excited about that. And so we're, it's not that we're not global. Now we need to Voltron ourselves for the local. So now, now it's time to get into city investment. Somebody say city investment. Now, we've done some of our city investment. This has been one of our most effective city investment things that have done for the schools. Let's give God a hand of praise for this work of the basketball league, right? Right? And so that's still going on, and, 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 and Lord willing, we'll have more space because every Tuesday I do this. I'm in my little, my little ride. Don't, don't pay attention to my engine light on the dashboard. <laughs> but every, every, every Tuesday morning, um, before I come in here, I go there and I beg God. I beg God to tear down strongholds and to give us, give us the city. God, if you just give it to us, God, in Jesus' mighty name. And so that's my, that, 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 so our, our facility, that's what we were raising at 235000 for. And know what I like about it? It's not sanctuary focused. You know, I was, I was even thinking about it the other day that, the way the building looks, you don't think sanctuary. I kind of like that because, because sanctuary is not necessarily the most important thing or the only thing. And so this says, this says community first, church second. It's like this building. And I think that's very important to communicate. Um, and that's, that's, that's been really, really beautiful. But then, this, this is what I see up in there, Epiphany Christian Academy, ECA. You understand what I'm saying? Look at them, man. They're going to walk. These, these kids, they're going to be walking to the building from brownstones and, and starter homes and projects. And they're going to come in there and they're going to put on their white coats and go to work in the lab. Can't you see it? Can't you see them in there, boys and girls? Look at, look at homie in the suit in the back, posted up. I like that. That's, that's what we want right there. We want redemptive images in our community. We want redemptive images in our community. Look at that. Look at that fresh growth. I was going to call it milk and honey, but Vernon told me that was corny. So milk and honey grocers, you know. Anyway, my bad. Sorry, sorry. Our grocery store. Look at the produce. Look at the cleanliness of the aisle, the signs. See, look what God's going to do. I'm already believing it as if it already happened. Look, look at this. Look at this. Our business shared space. Coffee and look at computers and lights and Oh, look at the wood. Oh, man. Look at the plush seating. 
Oh, man, see, that's what I meant. People walking in, business people walking into the community, and people from the community become business owners and getting inspired in that environment to boost the economy of the community by remaining in the community and not getting raised up and leaving the community, but developing. And I pray that at least 25% of us buy homes around there. Let's buy a crib. We want to invade our community. Amen. In, in, in a godly way. Look at that. Look at, look, look at that. That's our technology center. See, see how the, the computer lab on the top left? Can't you see the kids sitting in there learning technology and learning how to, how to code, creating apps on there and being inspired and, and syncing their phone up to it and all that kind of whatever they do. And then over here on the top right is the media center. Can't you see kids in there learning how to run media centers? and being inspired how to run companies, media centers, and run award shows right here in North Philly. Look at the bottom, a music studio. Look at them speakers. You don't know what's going to come. You don't know what's going to come out of this by you investing in this. And uh, adults and young adults and kids going into the community, going berserk and dreaming in ways and having the best of the best available to them versus being shipped out somewhere else. Versus being shipped out to another neighborhood to learn that they can walk and learn in their own community. This is gospel work. This is gospel work. Then I'm out your way after this. The beauty supply. Amen. Amen, y'all be, y'all be like, you know. See, yeah. Man, can't you see people preaching the gospel in there? Preach the gospel. Now, how are they going to preach the gospel? You know, somebody's going to come up and, you know, um, you know, um, person going to come up and they're going to be like, man, what do, what do I do for my split ends? My split ends. Well, you know, well, I, I, have, a product, I have a product for that. But, but, but this product is going to help you um, to cut where the end splits right here at the end of that. And then we'll work on this product massaging and new growth. You know, that reminds me of something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. When stuff is splitting up in your life, he'll come in and grab it right where it was being split and he'll cut it off from your life and then he'll wash your sins away and then he'll condition your life in the sanctification process so that you can have new growth. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things, all things have become new. You ain't know it was a sermon in there, did you? It's a sermon in there. It's a sermon in there. Yeah. All I'm trying to tell you is we're dreaming big because we have a big old gigantic God who died on the cross for our sins, got up from the grave, and wants to see his people practice and proclaim. I'm done. Father, we thank you for the glorious gospel that is our mechanism of renewal. It renews our souls, and it also renews our lives. It renews everything. Baby, you're here today and you've never placed your confidence in the one who makes all things new.
the one who makes all things new. He wants to make you new. All of us were destined for wrath, separation, but the beauty of Christ is he loved us enough to dispense grace to us by dying on the cross for our sins and getting up from the grave so that we can live a victorious life, so that our life will be different, that we don't have to live the same, and we can see ourselves and get a brand spanking new identity, all that good stuff. He presses restart. And positionally, you're given, brand, you're given a brand new life, but practically, you're still working through things. And God works with you, and he's patient with you and kind with you. Matter of fact, he's patient to bring you to repentance today. Maybe you're here today. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Passive Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully, the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.